I'm Rhonda Nowak for the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. This is The Literary Gardener for February 4th, 2021. The topic this time, Beyond Beauty, how to transform our gardens to support local ecosystems. It's tempting to garden only for beauty without regard to the many ecological roles our landscapes must perform. All too often, such narrow gardening goals result in a landscape so low in ecological function that it drains the vitality from the surrounding ecosystem. Douglas Tallamy, Nature's Best Hope, 2019. During February, I'll be writing about Tallamy's New York Times bestseller, in which he asked landowners to apply David Attenborough's message about increasing biodiversity in our own yards and gardens. An ecologist and entomologist, Tallamy tells us we cannot continue to separate our private landscapes from the natural world. He writes, in short, we no longer have the right to ignore the stewardship responsibilities attached to land ownership. Tallamy agrees with Attenborough that the natural world can replenish itself if given the chance. It will require people to adopt conservation as a culturally embraced imperative and to collectively practice landscaping that restores ecological balance rather than further degrading local ecosystems. In particular, rather than choosing landscape plants only for their ornamental value, we need to choose plants that participate in the surrounding ecosystem. Most American homeowners still maintain landscapes that are 90% lawn, with only 10% of the tree biomass that originally stood on the site. 80% of the trees, shrubs, and herbaceous plants in our yards are non-native species that evolved in Europe, Asia, and South America. These plants do not support native wildlife, so they create a landscape that is, as Tallamy puts it, biologically depauperate. To turn this around, he recommends converting at least half of the area in our yards now covered in turf grass into gardens with native plantings. Looking around my front yard, I'm pleased that we have replaced 80% of our lawn with garden beds and borders. About 20% of the yard is a grass pathway that winds around the beds. However, when I inventoried the 18 different species of trees and shrubs in my front yard, I realized that only six are North American natives, and only three are Oregon natives, a white oak tree, Corsus gariana, two mock orange bushes, Philadelphus louisii, and a kanikanik, Arctostaphylus uva ursi. Of about 30 kinds of herbaceous perennials in my front garden, only eight are North American natives, and only four are native to our western region, goldenrod or solidago canadensis, western joe pie weed, agratina occidentalis, tick seed, coreopsis lanceolata, and showy milkweed, Asclepias speciosa. I love my pollinator garden, but most of the plants in it are native to Mediterranean regions, Central and Eastern Europe, and Southwest Asia. Although I see tons of bees in my garden, the majority of them are European honeybees rather than native species that would turn my front yard into a site that supports local ecosystems. It's clear that I have more work to do. 
Talami advises us to become familiar with our surrounding eco-regions and to incorporate some of the native plant communities into our home, business, and school landscapes. I've written before that my neighborhood in East Medford was built within a native oak savanna and grassland ecoregion. My house is situated between the coniferous forest at the top of Roxy Ann Peak to the east and the riparian ecoregion bordering Bear Creek to the west. One of Talamy's graduate students at the University of Delaware built a database of native plants by local ecoregions available online at https colon backslash backslash www.nwf.org backslash native plant finder. When I type in my zip code, the program provides a list of native trees, shrubs, flowers, and grasses in my area, which helps take the guesswork out of identifying which native plants would grow well in my yard. What is particularly fascinating about the native plant finder is that it sorts native plants by the number of native butterflies and moths that use particular plants as host. Talamy points out that focusing on growing the number of caterpillars in our yard is an effective way to increase biodiversity. According to the NPF, if I added a native species of strawberry to my garden, such as Frigeria virginiana, the plants could attract 69 species of native butterflies and moths, in addition to native bees and beneficial insects. The goldenrod in my garden attracts 49 species of native butterflies and moths. My white oak tree attracts 200 species of Lepidoptera. If I added a western chokecherry to my landscape, it could attract up to 240 species of native butterflies and moths. The website provides pictures of the supported Lepidoptera at different stages of their life cycle which makes it easier to know what to look for in my garden. What about our vegetable gardens? How can they help increase biodiversity in our landscape? It's interesting to note that although bees are more likely to pollinate fruit crops, Lepidoptera are primary pollinators for many vegetables and herbs, especially those in the carrot, sunflower, legume, mint, and brassica families. Yes, caterpillars do eat part of the host plant and can damage our vegetable crops. However, they also attract predators, which will provide balance to a healthy garden ecosystem. European honeybees are generalists, which means they collect pollen from a wide variety of flowering plants. However, plants in the Solanaceae family, tomatoes, eggplant, peppers, potatoes, as well as pumpkins, zucchini, blueberries, and cranberries, all require bees to stimulate the flower before it will release its store of pollen. This process is called buzz pollination. Honeybees don't have the right stuff to get the job done, but our native bumblebees and solitary bees do. Talamy's main point in Nature's Best Hope is that one of the biggest mistakes we've made in our efforts to protect the natural world, and thus our planet, is that we've relegated the important work of conservation to the experts. But in order to effectively address our environmental crisis and restore biodiversity, we must all become conservationists. As Talamy points out, 
We must abandon our age-old notion that humans and nature can't mix, that humans are here and nature is somewhere else. Starting now, we must learn how to coexist. And that's it for the Literary Gardener this time. Thanks so much for listening and happy gardening.